My name's Cutter Calloway, and I'm Assistant Professor of Theology and Culture at Fuller Theological Seminary. Welcome to Fuller Studio. Welcome to TV and Theology, an audio series in which we construct a theology of television to help viewers more fully engage with the power and meaning of TV. This season, I talk with TV writer and my co-author, Dean Batali. This is Dean Batali for the first time speaking first. Um, I wish I could say that I've completely gotten rid of Cutter, but he is here. I'm here. He is present. So you're going to have to put up with some of his babbling in addition to my own. Um, so... There, I've done it. I spoke first for the first time. You know, it wasn't now quite, that I got that out of the way. It wasn't quite as satisfying as I thought it would be all these weeks. But uh, anyway, <laughs> um, we're, what are we talking about this one? Uh, you did a seminar on... Ah, so we're talking a little... We're kind of summarizing in terms of the value of television and why we should think about television in terms of meaning and theology and some of the tools that um, the believers can actually derive from television. I was... Um, I put together a class for a conference in Colorado once called um, What Hollywood Has Taught Me About Worship, because it was songwriters in addition to writers. And I wanted to point out that I'm also a worship leader. I'm a musician, and I'm a better worship leader because I'm a television writer. And my problem with most church services is that they don't follow any sort of dramatic structure. Um, Now, liturgical churches do, and it's one of the benefits that they have. But if you look at any movie, you know, in the first... 20 minutes, 30 minutes, or any television series, in the first few minutes, you know who the main characters are, and you kind of know where you're heading. The Lord of the Rings, they sit around that table with everybody, and the question is, where are we going? And the movie answers that question very quickly. And this is my problem with most worship services, is they don't have a through line. They don't have a point. The songs don't connect to the to the sermon, and the sermon is sort of standing on its own. And if people would think about the whether it's an hour, an hour and a half, or two hours that you spend in that service, how does every component of the service add up to what the service is trying to say, the central point of that service? And um, people who we've talked about a lot, people I think God designed us to receive stories, they need to know what it is that they're doing and what it's about. And sometimes it's not till the sermon that people understand this is what the service is about. And in television, you know, we have what are called teasers, those first two or three minutes, that opening scene where you want to know, am I going to watch this episode or not? I think we could do a lot better to think in terms of our services, the way television writers do, the way screenwriters do, in terms of what is the theme, what are we heading toward, and how are we going to get there? Yeah, and, and what story am I a part of? Yeah. Um, a guy named Alice Dayer McIntyre says, um, until I know what story I'm a part of, I don't know what to do. And yeah. uh, so it's really hard to say... If this is the central place where we're we're being shaped uh, yeah. by the community of God, um, if we're not articulating well um, what story we're a part of, then what do I do stepping out of that? How do how does that inform my life in the world? And um, you know, we've talked a lot about how you, you know, we wanted to to create a, a dialogue about how do you define meaning of television and specifically the theology of television. Um, I actually don't think there's enough of this kind of discussion going on about. Church services, service, church services, and how we present 
um, the the gospel even to ourselves. You know, mm -hmm. I don't mind the uh, preaching to the choir because a lot of times the choir needs to be preached to. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure we discuss enough about how to. I mean, I know there's books about this. I know there's all these sorts of conferences, but it's a conversation among ourselves and not enough among the people who actually communicate for a living, like television writers and screenwriters and songwriters. Um, I actually think there's a, I'm not proposing that our next book be uh, Theology in the Church, <laughs> but it's it's kind of, I think, a missing piece yeah. in this well, discussion. Uh, for those of you listening that aren't a part of the Fuller world, you can come to Fuller <laughs> Seminary and study <laughs> worship theology in the Man, arts. Yeah, there's product um, placement. That's right. And ding, ding, ding. That was, yeah. that was a couple episodes ago. But yeah, um, but yeah you're, you're right. And I think even, even in a place like Fuller, we, we are committed to saying, how do we... Uh, help train Christian leaders, worship leaders, preachers to think exactly what you're saying, uh, uh, you know, in terms of the narrative structure of our worship space, how that shapes us. Um, but often, um, and some of this, I think, is generational. I'm not sure. Some of it's how we've trained or, or, or been raised in our own traditions. Um, we still are hesitant often to bring in the expertise of others, like a TV writer, to help us answer that question. So yeah. um, I do think it, it the the conversation goes on some, but in this way of saying, well, let's go out to culture and ask who are the greatest storytellers in our culture and have them help us mm. tell our story better. Um, it all gets back to one of our earlier episodes when we were saying, what is that posture you're taking? Is it is it prejudged and purely ethical, or is it we want to value the, the artistry that you're offering here and you have something legitimate to offer us? Um, we, I, have, we have to struggle in the body of Christ with the reality that God has gifted people with amazing gifts that are not a part of the body of Christ. Now, um, without getting too theological here, which I know Cutter loves to do anyway, but, um, you know, God has gifted everybody with reflections of his talents, right? And his hope in creating all of us is that we are going to eventually want to serve him and use those talents to serve him. I'm not getting issues into issues of predestination or not. I'm just saying that all of us are a reflection of God's creation. But the reality is, you know, Lennon and McCartney were not part of the church, and they created this great art. Most of the people creating great art today are not part of the church. Why hasn't God equipped those within his church with the ability to make the best television, the best film, and the best visual art in the world? I will never quite understand that, because it seems—I mean, this is the whole— this is the whole question of the of the uh, play and the movie Amadeus, right? Is is why would God gift this uh, this this kid who doesn't deserve it when I Salieri do? Um, and that's a struggle I I continue to think. You know, the way that we communicate art better for the church within the church is to have better artists coming out of the church. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, um, the best artists for the most part in the world today are not part of the yeah. church and also not funded by the church. Yeah. Years ago, it would yeah. be. They didn't ask Michelangelo whether or not he was a Christian or not. They just said, you're the best artist. We want you to do yeah. the ceiling of our church. And there was never a thought that he wouldn't be making religious art. Right. I mean, it is, it is a, it's, you know, again, a, a vicious circle or cycle that part of the reason that artists aren't more involved in the church, or we don't see the great artists coming out of the church, is because at least in the free church movement, in, in Protestantism in America, um, it has not been a very hospitable place for artists. Yeah. It hasn't been... Again, back to our theology of art, um, our theology of culture, our theology of commerce. All those things are working against the artist being a part uh, of the community. So that's, in my mind, part of why they're outside voices right now. And we need to both 
bring them inside and also acknowledge and affirm the people that do have the, the talents that are already here. And 30 years ago, if you were a great communicator, the church would say to you, you should become a pastor mm-hmm. or a teacher. And we have to shift that to you should become a TV writer. Yeah. Um, a, a few years from now. I mean, I still yeah. want a career, but I want you to take my place yeah. eventually. Well, there's there's multiple students, um, I won't name your names, but uh, at Fuller that, that are wrestling right now with, they sense a God's call to ministry, mm-hmm. but they're filmmakers yeah. or they're TV writers or they're, and, and so they're even struggling what to call themselves um, because they know I am, I am called to essentially quote unquote preach but it's not standing in a pulpit on Sunday mornings. It's it's something different because my gifts are, are over here in, in communication. Um, but it does get back to <clears throat> this interesting phrase that you, you brought up the liturgical uh, traditions. Um, in liturgical theology, um, there's been a, a, a kind of maxim, and it's the Latin is lex orandi, lex credendi, which basically means... Wow, we went nine episodes <laughs> until Cutter actually quoted Latin. Quoted Latin, there you go. Um, I think I said something about communication, and it's Latin root. But that's, that's true. as close as I got. Um, but it, it essentially means uh, the law of prayer is the law of belief. Uh, getting at this fact that, that what shapes our belief in God more than any ideas or concepts or, you know, we can talk all day about how we understand the Trinity... Um, but our understanding of God as Trinity is shaped far more by the songs we sing and the way we interact with community and with each other than by anything else. And so if we're going to actually help shape people in healthy ways, um, in constructive ways within the church, um, we need to start with our worship, with that, that narrative, with the songs, with the symbols, with the, the, the gestures. I think our very first episode, maybe second, we talked about Augustine saying, um, all we have are signs, symbols, and gestures. So the things we do in worship really are what drive how we understand who we are, who God is, and, and what our mission in the world is. Um, and it, it raises a number of questions, I think, uh, in terms of what it is that we're doing. We, when we think about uh, TV and then we think about our worship space, um, and you've brought up a, a few times this notion of empathy, uh, to me, having healthy community really is about engaging empathetically with someone else. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think, uh, that, that one singular part of television and empathy, how does that help us worship better? Well, two things I want to take, um, worship specifically as worship for a moment and actually talk about how it reflects storytelling and then remind me of the second half of the question. Okay. But if you look at the old Testament, this gets into what Hollywood has taught me about worship. If you look at the old Testament, there were specific styles of music and things that were said based on where the Israelites were in relationships to the temple. They were singing certain songs on the way. They sang certain songs outside the temple gates. They sang certain, they sang certain songs in the inner court, on the outer courts. And then there were other songs for the inner courts and then various different ways for the priests who were right in the holiest of holies, right? So the progression of that is, you know, four or five different kinds of songs before you start singing in the presence of the holiest of holies. What happens in too many contemporary services? You start right in going, holy, holy, holy. (laughs) That's not what they did. And that story, you know, when you think of storytelling, how are you going to bring somebody into communion with God? You're going to start on the way to the temple. So that means a certain kind of art, a certain kind of television show that might be leading toward that. But too much um, art that's evangelical in nature starts right there on the inner courts or the Mm -hmm. holiest of holies. And that's not how you reach people from a storytelling point of view. Mm -hmm. And that's so, you know, you're. The reality is most people 
in our culture are not even on the way to the temple. (laughs) They're somewhere else. And that comes back to empathy, is understanding that they're not bad people. They're not evil people. They're just not people who are on the road toward the temple. So how do you get them? How do you turn them ever slightly? Some of the people are running away from the temple, if I keep this analogy going. And what art can do sometimes, what television shows can do, is just turn them a little slightly toward not running so far away from. And that's a success. Now, that success is not going to get you praised in a church, um, but that's what that's what evangelism sometimes is, and whether or not it's pre-evangelism or not. I've always never really understood pre-evangelism versus <laughs> evangelism. I think it's all evangelism. Mm-hmm. We're trying to, you know, go make them likewise share our love for God with others. Um, but I think that's what's kind of missing in this discussion is the value of and that's a good thing to discuss after a film or a television show. Did you know what did you learn about people that aren't like yourself? Where are these people heading? Where do you think this series is going? What does this say about the human condition? How does that reflect our understanding of God? Do we know more about God and or our fellow human being after watching this show? And by the way, I have nothing against if the answer is nothing to all of those. Uh, that's the same answer you get after riding a roller coaster. Sometimes it's okay just to have fun yeah. and just be entertained. And sometimes a, f- a pie in the face is just a moment of, of pure brevity. You know, Jesus said, consider the lilies. Sometimes we're just supposed to stop and consider the lilies. Mm-hmm. And we tend to think, well, that all, you know, we're supposed to consider the lilies so we can seek first the kingdom of God. I don't know, maybe sometimes we're just supposed to stop and consider the lilies, which means sometimes just a knock-knock joke and just a pause in our life. And that's okay, too. So we're kind of putting a lot of emphasis on television. There's a lot to be said for laughter. Um, um, that, that, you know, sometimes that's enough to kind of experience the surprise that God has created us to be just to, to understand life. So I'm not saying all art has to be utilitarian. All television has to be leading towards some sort of big communal empathetic empathetic and or Christian moment. Mm-hmm. I think it can be, but I think that's the conversation that needs to be had more within the church is, is um, how can we better stand one another? Look, if your goal is to better understand them so that you can then evangelize them, that's fine. But, um, you know, sometimes Jesus just wants us to feed the hungry. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting. Um, I, I like your metaphor of, of like songs of ascent or, or whatever, mm-hmm. when we're leading to the temple, how, um, and that's more, <clears throat> you're right, like we're preparing ourselves yeah. for entering uh, this space where we're communing, this gets back to communication, communing with the presence of God. Um, and and that is a sort of inter-family, uh, inter-tribal yeah. sort of thing that we need to recognize. I mean, my wife and I talk all the time, especially when you're parents of young kids, life is just chaotic and hectic. Having a, a song mm-hmm. to start the worship service mm-hmm. is like this buffer between, you can still kind of be chattering and, you know, like getting yourself settled. Um, it's not that we don't want to pay attention to it, but it's that that, that music um, serves as like a, a you know, a, a, what are the, in the bank, the um, when you go into the, the doorway and it's before the you The lobby? Go, the, so, yeah, it's yeah. the lobby, but it's, no, it's the, there's a, it's like a ceiling off, like a weather seal yeah. um, buffer kind of thing. There's a name for that. I yeah, the name remember. for that is Main Street at Disneyland, and I'm uh-huh, serious. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's yeah. a reason there's only one yeah. entrance at Disneyland is yeah. because they want you to experience this entry into this new yeah. world, and everybody experiences the same thing yeah. before heading out in their yeah, different directions. Yeah, and then you directions. sort of proliferate. And it's it's helpful, it orients you, it kind of calms you, it you know, it, it sets it off. Oh, it's good. I The only thing I'll blow up that metaphor um, to think about uh, I believe it's a worship. simile, to be specific. Oh, a simile. Yeah. Um, the temple is a simile? A simile or? is like a metaphor. That's true. That, yeah. the, so <laughs> I will 
Well, I, I'm going to blow it up. Something. Um, now we've the, done math the, and English throughout this that's entire right. yeah, podcast. We, we, uh, we're we're getting, hitting on all cylinders here. There's another metaphor for you. Um, but the, the temple works when we are thinking of worship. When then it starts, we start thinking about empathy and towards uh, those who aren't a part of our worship and community. Yeah. Um, we we move into, I think, more realm of, of exile. So the temple uh, existed uh, in a time when... Uh, the the people of Israel were in charge. They 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 owned the land. They what they said went. Um, how they worship mattered for the rest mm. of culture. And there was a time, at least in the U.S. and, and in the yeah. Western world, where that was the case. We're increasingly moving to a time where actually the Assyrians and Babylonians have come in, Good. blowing yeah. everything up, and now we're strangers in a strange land. Yeah. Um, and you get Jeremiah twenty nine, where it's 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 very interesting that it's. The two passages, the I have plans for you, plans to prosper you, we love quoting that. But this is in the context of exile, and the very next uh, phrase is uh, the one that says, I want you to seek the welfare of the city you're in, because yeah. its welfare will be your yeah. welfare. So make homes and, and raise families and, and, and uh, build vineyards and all this other stuff. Um, it's interesting to think about our storytelling, our songs maybe, um, in that context where... I, I think you're totally right that that how we sing might steer people, um, but when we position ourselves at the center versus the margins, it it also changes where we're steering them, what the the results. I think your story about um, making that '70s show a little bit less crass mm-hmm. is actually a great picture of of an exilic community that 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 sometimes seeking their welfare is has its own benefit, its own integrity. We don't need to get them in the holy of the holies because we're in exile. I mean, yeah. we we live amongst, um, you know, Assyrian oppressors who have, you know, this yeah. is not a Christian culture. Um, and to me, I think uh, it goes back again. Here's some theology for you. Friedrich Schleiermacher uh, was a part of this group of romantic poets in, you know, uh, between the 18th and 19th centuries, and loved their poetry, loved their story. Did he ever create a TV series? He did not, but essentially, I've never heard of I him. mean, he, yeah, that's true. He should have, though. Um, he he wrote these little things like uh, Christmas Eve dialogues. One of my favorite books of his is just a little short story, and it's a group of people getting around talking about Christmas Eve. Um, and it's sort of Christian, but not. It's it's interesting. But um, he's engaging in conversation with people who are not Christians, but who recognize art as meaningful. Um, and a great quote of his says, you can't teach people religion. You can just show them your art. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of the picture I get when you're talking about singing songs on someone that's not on the same road. Yeah. Often we want to go and grab them and bring them into the Holy of Holies yeah. by force or by just the sheer uh, truth of our song. When in fact, the best thing we can do is just sing authentically, compellingly um, from out of the integrity of who we are. And that really is what we can do. Um, yeah. And sometimes they're going to hear and sometimes they will they will turn and other times it's going to make no sense to them at all and, and they'll keep on their way. So, you know, a lot of people think that Hollywood specifically is a place full of people who uh, don't know Jesus or, um, you know, uh, kind of anti-Jesus. I, I found it to be somewhat different. Uh, I feel that a lot of people in Hollywood, and again, these are good moral people, as broken as I am, the difference is that that uh, I and many other who work in Hollywood have come to know Jesus. But um, a lot of our culture, they know Jesus, and it's worse than they know of Jesus, and it's worse than they've rejected him. It's that they've declared him irrelevant. Mm-hmm. That's what I see, and this is what I see on television: is God is kind of absent because most people in Hollywood think Jesus is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's why, you know, if, if first of all, if we can understand that mindset, and I think that's becoming more and more so in our culture. It's not that nobody in America has heard of Jesus or even knows who Christians are. It's that they don't think he matters. Um, and and can we could we create, you know, what would television look like if we had characters interacting, you know, characters who believed in Jesus interacting with those who didn't and challenging one another and loving one another anyway, because we live in a culture where we should be loving one another anyway. And that's what I, again, I think this empathy that television teaches and the journey, I think those are kind of the two things that we keep coming back to is what episodic television, how episodic television presents a theology, how it presents a meeting, what it can contribute to theology, whether we're telling stories from a Christian worldview or not, you know, we are all parts of God's creation. So there's going to be a reflection of God's truth there. But how could we actually turn episodic storytelling into uh, more long-term parables, or Old Testament kind of journeys, or New Testament uh, centrifugal or centrifugal, whatever the <laughs> word is, um, um, uh, truths, yeah. and look at it kind of from that point of view. And I think we'll see a lot more reflection of meaning, a lot more reflection of theology if we start thinking in those yeah. terms and in that language. Yeah. That's, I, I think, from the, the creator standpoint, is a perfect kind of summary of your heart and, and yeah. where you're coming from. On my end, it's the um, the sort of the critic, the, the viewer, the yeah. person who's the person of faith looking at them and, um, and, and trying to say, uh, what is it that, uh, not only this means, but, um, but recognizing what you had said, I think, uh, a few episodes ago where, um, it's not the language you use, but, but there's a, a drive or a desire, um, the farther away you get from God, you, it's, it's a more desperate search, something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, and there's a really interesting book called The Secular Age. A guy named Charles Taylor wrote it and said, we've moved in, in our world from just a mere 500 years ago where everyone, the common assumption was we lived in a, a world of spirits and they were interacting with us and it was either a god or gods. And now I fast forward just a few hundred years and, and belief is actually the most unbelievable of all options. <laughs> and yet, he says, we're all still haunted by that world of, of spirits so that in all of these sort of uh, moves toward art and artistry, there is that kind of, we're dealing with a haunted realm that even if we say Jesus is irrelevant um, or God, I mean, whatever that is, or Christianity is irrelevant, mm -hmm. there's still this deep longing to find things meaningful. And as a, as from my perspective, uh, a theologian, one who's not writing TV scripts, um, I think my role in this conversation is to say, where do I see those urges and desires cropping up and how can I mm, yeah. help talk about them in ways that actually say, this is a desire that that is actually leading you to God. Mm -hmm. And then on your side is what you just said, that how do we really leverage episodic storytelling for, yeah. for all that it could could potentially be. And understand it and value it. But, yeah, you know, from yeah. a viewer's point of view, how do I yeah. value it? How how can watching television actually bring me close to God? Yeah. And and I could do a whole other series on yeah. that because I, I think that needs to be a bigger discussion in our churches. Yeah, we could do uh, television divinite and, and have some practices. Yeah. We, we uh, watch television as a prayer uh, language. That'd yeah. be really interesting. That's the next podcast. Very, so. good. Very good. Um, well, Dean, thank you so much for spending the time and uh, chatting with us each one of these weeks. And uh, uh, we will probably be back, do a few more of these. But uh, for now, I think that's a wrap. Anything else you want to say? Do you want to get the last word? You know, I've been thinking about this a lot for the entire series, and uh, the reality is you're going to have the last word. So I'm just going to sit here and let you have the last word. All right. Well, that's appropriate, and that's good. So good night and good luck. Right, now I get the last word?
You've been listening to a production of Fuller Studio. Fuller Studio provides articles, podcasts, videos, and other resources for a deeply formed spiritual life. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app or visit us at fuller.edu studio. 